We're going to do things a little bit differently on episode 341 of Canada's Pinball Podcast because I woke up this morning and I felt like we were getting just a little bit soft on this show. And here's what I mean by that. I've been listening to all these other pinball podcasts out there recently. There's a lot of them. There's a lot more of them coming up every single day talking about pinball, and I think it's awesome. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I listen to some of them, I can't help but feel like you know they spend five minutes during the podcast talking about how their podcast is going to be different and how they're going to do this and how they're not going to be negative and they're not going to be DJ produced. And it's I can't help but feel like they're throwing so much shade on some of the best pinball podcasts that are out there. And here's the thing, you know, I'm, I'm sitting up here in New York City by myself doing this podcast and I want to break it down for all you other pinball podcasts out there that are wondering why Canada's Pinball Podcast has such a loyal following. I'm going to make it real simple for so many of you to understand. Are you ready? Are you waiting for the secret? Here it is. And this ain't no Christopher Franchi tip. This is just the way it is. This pinball podcast, you know what I'm playing that they're not playing? I'm playing singles tennis, all right? There's nobody else on the court. It's just Canada hitting the ball back. It's faster, it's quicker, it's immediate, and that's why people like it. We're not talking for five minutes about our approach to pinball podcasting. We're not talking about how we entered a tournament. We're not talking about how we fixed our pinball machine over the weekend. We're not talking about anything else, but we're giving you the pinball news immediately, all right? And I'm not saying you have to you know, like me. I'm not saying you have to listen to me. But come on, all you new guys to the pinball podcast world, show some damn respect when you want to say how you're going to do it better. Let me tell you something, okay? The reason why we're here, the reason why we have all these listeners is we don't hold back. We are straight shooters. And you know what? You know what? Sometimes we get stuff right. Sometimes we get stuff wrong. I'm just saying this. Do your thing. But if you want to start talking about how you're going to do it differently and you're not going to be that and you're throwing shade on what we do, you want to throw shade on what Special When Lit does, saying it's a DJ produce. come on guys, wake up, wake up. There's a reason why people are listening, all right? So let's get right to it before I talk about my weekend for 15 minutes. All right, here's what, here's the deal. We're just going to go down on this episode. I haven't done this in a while. Just straight shoot about what's going on with all these companies, and we're going to do it. You know, I, I'm tired of talking about Wonka. You're tired of listening about Wonka. So let's get right to what's going on in the pinball world. Where should we start? Let's start like where some help is needed. Where are the Monster Bash remake LEs? Where are they? I don't understand. People who paid for this game in October when the game was first announced have still not received their title. Now, here's also what I'm hearing. A lot of these guys are not even getting any feedback from CGC or from their distributors on where the ETA of their game is. My God, this thing has kind of been a little bit of a launch disaster for a Chicago gaming company. And I'm hearing stories where people are just canceling their orders and they're ordering Black Knight or they're ordering Willy Wonka. And that's where we're at. I think if Chicago Gaming Company really, really, really wants to sort of like compete, they need to get the games in the homes faster. And that's just an evergreen theme in pinball. You have to ship your game close to reveal. All right. Now, because I just talked about that, let's talk about Willy Wonka in that aspect. I'm not talking about the game anymore. 
God, some of you guys are just never going to be satisfied with pinball. I have to do a little bit of a tangent of so many people who are just always disappointed by everything. I'm just here to say on Canada's Pinball Podcast, I think there's a, a silent, it's not even silent, there's a tiny little minority of people, they're on pin side, and no matter what new game comes out, they cry like babies, and they're cranky about everything. And here's the thing about mostly all of those people, they're never buying anything anyway. And that's the great uh, deception of the internet is that it gives a megaphone to people who can chime in about how disappointed they are in the new release from Ferrari, but these guys can't even afford a Honda Civic, and they're crying about the Ferrari design and the Ferrari features of pinball. Get out of here. Get out of here. And yet, the majority of people are satisfied. Okay, but the big thing is this. The game that Willy Wonka is competing with is not even Black Knight. The game that Willy Wonka will compete with is Jurassic World. The reality is this. We, do you think, do you expect this game to ship in 60 days, which is what Jack is saying? Here's the thing. I hope it does. I really do hope it does. History has shown us that that is very, very, very unlikely. And what has changed this time from the past? And I don't know, but I think a lot of people are very, very cautious uh, if they think they're going to get their game in like 60 days. Okay, I was over there. There wasn't Willy Wonka's on the line being made. There were Pirates of the Caribbean's waiting for parts. Okay, if I go over to Stern today, what am I going to see? I'm going to see Black Knight on the line. Every time Stern reveals a new game, the game is already on the line. It's normally already on a boat headed to Europe. And so it does beg the question, well, why did, why did they, um, why'd they reveal it if it's not on the line? Now, Jack was very proud that when they revealed the Yellow Brick Road edition of Wizard of Oz, it was on the line already. Now, I did kind of say to Jack, yeah, but Jack, this game's seven years old. I mean, it's not like you've got all the parts. You're just waiting for stuff to come and paint it, right? So you can't really take credit that that is indication that all of your problems have been solved from previous launches and launch delays. Now, do I think this is going to be Pirates of the Caribbean all over again? Absolutely not. They have to get this game out. They have to get this game out by early summer. People just will not forgive them again. This needs to be the game that shows us that they really have learned and they know how to do it right. I still I still am anxious because I'll tell you why. I just would not reveal something until it's already on the line. It's not like they didn't know people would want a Pat Lawler version of Willy Wonka. So why even show it so early? Uh, that's just the thing, man. That's, you know, everyone's doing things their way, but I'm still in on mine, and you're not going to hear much about it until I get it, all right? All right, so that's what's happening at Jersey Jack. They're going to be competing, though, not with Black Knight. Jersey Jack will be competing with Jurassic World and Brian Eddy's Jurassic World. Okay, because by the time I think Wonkas are actually making their way into people's homes, I think we are going to see Jurassic World from Brian Eddy. And that is going to be the title uh, that it goes head-to-head with, not really Black Knight. Okay, let's talk quickly about Black Knight. Then we're going to go on to Stern's Jurassic World because those are the next two Stern titles. We won't even talk about Munsters. You know, it seems like Munsters is being quickly forgotten. How quickly have people just sort of given up on talking about Munsters? And why is that? Now, here's what I know that people just won't say. And I wish people would say this more often because people know this stuff. And if they said it, and if more people heard this, 
I think it would actually improve the kinds of products we got from Stern Pinball. You know what I heard? I heard that John Borg, uh, while he's proud of the game, he's also bummed out by some of the stuff he had to remove from the game to get the price point down, to get the bomb down on the game. So he wanted more magic in the game and the stuff got yanked out. And that is why we never see this stuff. We never hear about the things that these designers really wanted in the game. And the final version of Monsters that we get is not really the dream version and the, the, uh, the aspiration of that designer. It, it's just basically what they were willing to uh, like give them in terms of budget. And, and I think it shows on every single Stern machine. I definitely think you look over a game and you can see where there could have been more. Whether there could have been drop targets, there could have been another mechanism or toy, there could have been something else. And I don't want to see these, I don't really get that excited anymore when I hear that Stern has a theme that I'm really excited about because I know that's always going to be the case. Does it ever look like their games went above and beyond and pushed the envelopes? It's a little bit why I was just annoyed when people are complaining about what's in Willy Wonka because it has so much more than what's in Monsters. Now, the real killer from Monsters, though, because I think Stern got a lot of, uh, they got away with a lot in that game in terms of like feedback uh, because I think the game shot really well. All right. So I think it had really fun ramps to hit. I think the game was one of the most gorgeous games of all time. You know, Christopher Franchi blew it out of the park. You know, I'll say it right now. Monster's art blows Willy Wonka art away. It does. There's no way around it. It's a gorgeous machine. The black and white is really cool. So they had a lot. They had a lot of visual stunning things going on. But ultimately, what is going to kill the Monster's pinball is the code. Now, here's why the Monster's code is never going to be the code you want it to be. And here's another sort of ugly truth of pinball that you're not going to hear about on the other pinball podcasts who just know how to do it better than Canada's pinball podcast. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for the truth, the honesty behind the scenes that gets shared amongst the inner circle? And I didn't pay no 30 bucks to Stern to get a t-shirt to hear this. So here's what happens. And this is something that George Gomez and Christopher Franchi were battling back and forth on, is passion. And so when you look at pinball, if you do not have a passion for the project you're working on, it is going to suffer. It's going to suffer if you're doing the artwork and you're not passionate. It's going to suffer if you're doing the layout. And it is sure as hell going to suffer if you're doing the code in a pinball machine. So you want to know why Munsters is, is so mediocre when it comes to the coding department? I'll tell you why. There's only one reason why they really made the Munsters. It's because John Borg is super passionate about the Munsters. He loves the show. It's one of his favorite. And he'd been asking Stern for years to make the Munsters. And so when he designed it, of course, he designed so much into the game. Some of it didn't make it into the final version, but his passion was there, okay? You know who wasn't passionate about the Munsters, who didn't grow up loving the show, who didn't know the show that well, was Dwight, Dwight Sullivan. And so the guy coding the machine doesn't share the passion in the guy who's designing the machine. And I think if you look at the game and you play the game, you're gonna see that. That is just like, it's got like just basic code that gets you through it, but he doesn't understand the franchise or have the same level of enthusiasm. And I think that's why you're not seeing all the different fun sort of little nuanced ways to code that machine uh, that make it as magical 
uh, to flip as it is to shoot, right? The experience of flipping it because the code is not as much fun as the shot geometry. And that's Munsters. And it's never going to change because you can't install passion in someone if they don't really care about something you know and and Dwight just watching the show like to catch up before coding it that's not the same of someone who's like super passionate about Star Wars and has thought about it for 30 40 years and it shows and then we saw Franchi and Gomez debating Beetlejuice where George Gomez is basically saying we're not making this game because nobody over here is passionate about Beetlejuice and you know what I think that's the right decision. If none of their if none of their designers care about Beetlejuice, don't freaking make Beetlejuice. And as they have so many other A-list properties they have to work with, why would you make Beetlejuice? And Beetlejuice is another one of these like, yes, it's a Tim Burton movie. Yes, it was popular back in the day. Yes, I do think it hits the pinball demographic nicely. Uh, but would it sell that well? Well, here's the deal: it would way outsell Black Knight. But again. Passion wasn't there. Black Knight is Steve Ritchie's passion project, so they let him make it. After all the years, they let him make it, all right? Now, let's talk about Black Knight quickly, then I want to move on to Jurassic World. So Black Knight, you know, it was at MGC. I didn't hear as much feedback. I hear it's fun to flip. I hear it's fast. It's like every single Steve Ritchie game has the same feedback, and this one is pretty similar. Uh, I think if you want that sort of like heavy metal rock concert pinball machine in your home or at your bar, you're going to be satisfied. I think the night mechanism is cool. The animations definitely look great. Uh, but here's one thing. And I heard Marty at Head to Head Pinball uh, say this on his podcast. And I think this was the smartest thing I've heard uh, almost anyone say in pinball podcasting in a long time. I think it's smarter than anything I've said in a long time. So if you know Marty, you should say, hey, hey, man. Kaneda gave you a shout out on his show and I think what he said about the Black Knight is not just genius but I think it's very indicative of what we need in more of pinball and it's definitely the biggest problem I see in Willy Wonka right now. He said we need more orchestration. We need more orchestration in the game where it just feels like repetitive. Like you've got the heavy metal music, you've got the balanced scoring, You've got the monsters you battle in it. But when you play the game, there's just not the orchestration where it all comes together and tells this narrative. You just sort of feel like you're dropped in to the middle of of this experience without any context of any of it. It's almost like it's just, here you go, heavy metal music, here you go, battle monster, over and over and over again, the same sort of philosophy, you know, hit the shots and the monster gets hit and then you're on. It doesn't feel... Like you're on this journey to defeat the Black Knight and it like you're dropped into a storyline. And that's where I think these pinball coders need to stop. It, it, and it's one of the problems when you have tournament guys. Guys who are obsessed with tournaments are the ones coding these games is they don't understand that concept that there's more to pinball than just a, a pathway to score. That so many people who love pinball they want something more of a story. They want an, an experience where it's about the emotional connection to the machine. And they want to see the machine do things really unique and, and cool and different. And man, I, was, I just interviewed Josh Kugler. I'm going to air that next. It's amazing the stuff that they're putting into Oktoberfest from a code standpoint that is just unique. And I'm just not seeing other people think about that when they orchestrate the design of these games. It's just very repetitive. 
And it just feels like it's, we've seen this before a million times. And it's, it's like they're relying so much on the animation quality to be the differentiator when I think the orchestration of how they tell the story in the game and how they use the physical things in the game, okay? Let me give you an example of what I mean by orchestration. Like the game should start. And imagine the game starts and it's like, I am the Black Knight. I dare you to defeat me. And then all of a sudden his flail goes and his shield goes up and down. Do you have what it takes, pinball player, to defeat me? I don't think so. Like there's none of that. There is absolutely none of that. It's just like you turn the game on and it's like heavy metal music blasting in your ear and you don't even understand like what to do. That is the problem with pinball. There's too much of these old people who know too much about pinball just dropping us into games and they don't understand how to orchestrate it in in a modern way. And no one's thinking that creatively about it because they're just doing it the way they've done it as if we're still playing games in 90s arcades and we don't want more. We do want more, all right? Okay, so that brings us to Jurassic World, a game coming out in summer of 2019. Uh, I don't understand the timing of that. The Jurassic World movies have come and gone. There is no Jurassic World movie on the horizon. The Jurassic World movies were not that popular. The popular movies were still Jurassic Park. Um, Look, they were okay, the first Jurassic World, but for the most part, your pinball buying person still has much more of a love affair, much more of a nostalgia with Jurassic Park not Jurassic World. Now, we already have a Jurassic Park game by Data East, uh, which, you know, doesn't have modern code, but it has a lot of fun stuff in it, and a lot of people love that game. Would Stern even be able to put as much in that game as the old Jurassic Park? And here's the thing. We all know the answer to that. No way would modern Stern give you as much mechanical and physical stuff in the game and design it so uniquely as the old Jurassic Park game. So I don't even think they can make it better. Well, we'll see. This is Brian Eddy, man. This is this is medieval madness guy. This is one of the guys who's known for like big mechanisms, big toys, and big excitement in pinball. And this is his return at Stern Pinball. And I think this is going to be such an important launch, right? Because you're going to take a guy who all he knows how to do is give pinball magic to the world. And now you're going to have to pull him through Stern Pinball. So if this game comes out and this game does not have tons of mechs and innovation and doesn't have like Brian Eddy's like signature stamp on the game, then we will know once and for all the reality is Stern Pinball is just not giving these guys enough budget and money to make the magic happen and they're kind of cheaping out on it all. And you see it and you feel it. So I think my eyeballs are on Jurassic World. I got to say with Black Knight not being an inexpensive property, there's not that much in the game. You know, there is not that much in the game. So, like, I was expecting more considering that they didn't have to spend as much on a license. And I don't think you got it, per se. All right? All right, let's go on to uh, let's go on to American Pinball Oktoberfest. It's coming out. We talked to Josh Kugler. The competition is stiff. They've changed some stuff on the geometry of the game. There's a lot of unique coding things in the game. I think everyone has griped on long enough about the LCD, the artwork, and what else has people been complaining about? Like the music at times. There's a lot to complain about. I see in the game, I told this to Josh, they have work to be done. They are not at the level of where other companies are right now with artwork. They are not at the level where other companies are with the animations. They are not where other companies are with the theme selection. 
So those are the big three things that some people might say three strikes and they're out. But here's the thing. After talking to them, they're not going away. Uh, This won't be their last game. They are prepping for the future. They are prepping for titles three, four, and five, which is, you know, I guess you have to do that. These guys are not going away. The investment will be there. They have money backing this company that is not coming from the pinball sales itself. So apparently they will probably take a loss on their first few titles to keep going. Uh, But I'm here to tell you that, you know, these guys, their theme uh, uh, approach is that they want to do timeless themes that are evergreen, that are not based on an expensive IP. We'll see. We'll see. There's work to be done, though, at American Pinball. And Oktoberfest uh, probably would have been better coming out against the Munsters. Uh, Coming out against Willy Wonka and Black Knight, not as easy for them to generate those sales. So, But the game is on the line. The game will be shipping to customers very, very soon. So it is going to be the summer in which Oktoberfest is one of the titles you can go buy. Um, You know, do I think it's going to sell a lot? I don't think it's going to sell that many because of how many other games are out there. But I'll say this. They are packing a lot into the game. They are giving you a lot for the money. I think if they can get those other areas improved, which they should easily be able to do on the next title, I I think American Pinball uh, has a shot at, at creating hit games and selling a lot in the pinball world. All right, this isn't the theme I would have chose. That's not the art package I would have put. I would have approached the LCD a little bit differently. But when Josh does talk to me about the stuff that's coded in the game, I do think they are trying to be much more creative in their offering. And I think when you hear the interview, you're also going to come away feeling the same way. All right, who else is out there? Spooky Pinball, Alice Coopers are shipping. Alice Coopers are making its way to people. The spooky story for a while is going to be Alice Cooper. Uh, the feedback on the game won't change dramatically. It's a beautiful looking game. Uh, the animations are incredible. The sound effects and everything are really amazing. The shots are still really tight. The shots are tight. Uh, you need to be a good pinball player to make your way through it. Uh, but again, I think you know Spooky once again has kept getting better and keeps improving. Uh, and they needed to. They needed to. There, there, there's no denying the fact that some of the earlier Spooky offerings left a lot to be desired. Now, where they're at with their price point, they got to keep getting better. And they got to keep putting more into the game. They got to keep hiring more talent to stay competitive. Uh, But Charlie, you know, sold all 500. And I think you're going to see unboxings this summer. And I can't wait to play it some more. And that's where we are. We're not going to see much new news from Spooky. That's the other thing. You know, this podcast, I'm like, Man, there is going to be a lull in news between now and Jurassic World. But we'll, you know me, we'll, I'll figure some way to talk to you guys. All right, what else? Who am I missing here? Let's see. Let's talk about Deep Root. So Deep Root, uh, where are they at? And so here's the new news on Deep Root, if you can even call it news, is that Robert chimed in and said they have more than 12 Whitewoods being worked on at Deep Root. More than 12 Whitewoods. And look, I've been really, really good. That's sort of being silent. I haven't really chimed in. I haven't really said much about Deep Root. Uh, they haven't taken anyone's money. They hired J-Pop. We know the story, right? It would be so annoying if I just belabored a company that really hasn't done much, hasn't shown much, hasn't revealed anything. They've grabbed the mic a few times and said some ridiculous stuff about how many games are going to ship. And how game-changing it's going to be and how, you know, just wait, Steve Bowden bragging, all these people bragging. We've seen absolutely nothing. 
there's tons of pages on Pinside talking about Deep Root, and yet there's not a single, even like a post that we've seen them manufacture. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I just don't like when you brag about something that you aren't showing anybody. It is like me telling people, I have 12 girlfriends, but you can't see any of them. But trust me, you know, people like that, and we all grew up with people like that. Nobody likes people like that. You don't win people over with your behind the scenes bragging. And so, and also, I just can't even understand why that makes sense. Like, why would you be making 12 pinball machines? Uh, that seems like a waste of resources. It seems like you're putting the cart way in front of the horse. You don't know how game one is going to sell, and yet you're making game two through 12, and you are planning to basically inundate the pinball marketplace uh, and also just cannibalize your own product. Now, I want to tell Robert something. You don't need 12 games. You don't need 13 games. You need three or four great games within a year or two, and you will be a dominant player in pinball if you can get people those games in time. The real solution in pinball, the real answer, the, the way you succeed in pinball, and Robert should know this by now, it's not with volume, it's not with promising games. What The way you succeed in pinball is one thing and one thing only. It's manufacturing. And manufacturing isn't sexy. Manufacturing isn't easy. Manufacturing doesn't happen overnight. But there are so many pinball dreamers out there who have made prototypes of games and have got people together and created something. But when they go to make it, when they go to ship it, when they go to collect all those thousands of parts in one place and screw it together, that is where everyone is falling down. And I'm sorry, but Deep Root hasn't shown us anything when it comes to manufacturing, right? It went from quad manufacturing to octo manufacturing, but Deeper is not a manufacturing company. And so it doesn't mean I don't think they can pull it off, but I haven't seen anything to believe or to make me believe that they can pull it off. And then when they come out and they say that they are gonna have the ability to manufacture and get games out faster than Stern, with more volume than Stern, when Stern is making 10,000 pinball machines plus a year in that ginormous factory with 200 workers, how are you gonna do it? How are you gonna do it? And I've lost, I've, I've lost a little bit of patience with this company. I, I think they're all talk right now. I think everything is gonna hinge on their first title, and I think they're stalling. I think they're definitely stalling. And this is not me, you know, it's not like they have to prove me wrong. They don't have to prove anything to Canada. They just have to deliver what they said they're gonna deliver. And if anything happens, see, here's the problem. If anything goes wrong, people are not gonna be forgiving because of how much they boasted about what kind of player they were gonna be in the pinball world. And if history has shown us anything, delays will happen and here's what's going to happen is like it's always the delay you could never see coming in a million years it, it's just it takes one major part to be delayed in manufacturing from a vendor robert that you have to rely on and maybe those parts come in and maybe they're not satisfactory and you have to wait and then the line is frozen 
See, what you, you, they haven't encountered any of this. They are sitting in deep root for the most part, probably having a lot of fun designing pinball machines with investor dollars. Think about it. They are paying people every day, every month with investor dollars. No money's coming in. And they're making 12 games? How I, I, I can't even, I can't. Just make one good game. Get it out. Are we going to see it on June 30th? That is the new deadline for this company. And if Raza doesn't come out on June 30th and absolutely blow everyone away, what happens? What's the future hold? And if people love it and they order it, they better get it soon because that's what the expectations have been set. Now, it also makes it really interesting because June 30th, if you think about it, that's right when like Willy Wonka is about to come out. It's right when we're on the eve of Jurassic World. It's going to be ridiculously oversaturated soon, and I can't wait. All these companies think there's all this room, money, and 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 like buyer and demand out there in pinball. It, it's not. It, it, it's just, it, they can't all survive. There's just no way. What we really just need is one to two magical games a year and one or two games that are great for on-location play, and I don't think they're the same. I think location pinball strategy would be different uh, to me if I was making home use games as well. I would have a different strategy for home collectors than I would for on location. And I think Stern gets that right with the Pro and the LE. They know exactly how to make sort of uh, different variations of the same game and at radically different price points. All right, am I missing anyone? Multimorphic. I mean, Jerry just got, he's got to get that thing out. There's got to be the theme. He keeps, he's saying this. He needs a theme that makes people want to buy it. Years later, we still don't have it. Uh, I, maybe it should be Beetlejuice, Jerry. That seems like one that no one's picked up. All right. What else is going on? I think that's pretty much it. You know, we cover a lot in that short period of time. It's just a half hour. It's not three hours. I just want to say this. I want to say this. There, there's been a lot of like, push for people to be like overly sensitive in this hobby and be like apologetic and this and that and it's just like look you can speak your mind give us your opinions everyone needs to have a little bit thicker skin in the pinball world and in the pinball hobby we don't need to personally insult people but we also don't need to have like our tail between our legs when we're discussing pinball if you want to sell me something for five to fifteen thousand dollars i'm allowed to give my opinion about it and i don't have to be like so sensitive all the time you know i even saw like people complaining about how people on the twitch stream are talking when they're revealing a pinball game and there's like all it's freaking twitch like nobody knows uh, better than the Twitch streamers themselves how inane and asinine the chats are. Nobody ever takes a Twitch chat seriously. Uh, but I got my hand slapped for like, just play the game now when Tim Sexton was showing the game. And I apologize to Jack for doing that. But come on, like, like it's, it's a Twitch chat. Like go on any single like Twitch stream in the world and it's everyone just being a jackass and we're there being jackasses just to have a good time. I, I just feel like there's, there's like this push where we all have to be like overly sensitive and I just don't want to see the political correct oversensitive world that we live in elsewhere in, in this society and in, in the world make its way to pinball where it's just a bunch of people enjoying a toy and we're like, we're kind of jackasses to each other all the time. And we're kind of like sarcastic and inane. And it's just, we're just taking the piss 
out of like each other at times and out of the hobby at times. And I think that's part of the fun of this hobby. And I don't want to see us all just be like, you have to say something nice about every single game and you have to respect every single game designer uh, if they're talking about their game on the internet. You are not allowed to say that their game looks bad and you're not allowed to say like, come on, just play the game. And you're not allowed to say, get on with it. Come on, we're not. I don't want to live in a world like that where there's like all these like rules around how we can engage the pinball hobby. Everyone needs to lighten the F up. All right. I didn't even, I don't think I even curse on this show, but lighten up everybody. It's just pinball. All right. And you give your constructive criticism, do it your way. But we also just also like at the end of the day, put this stuff in context of what it is we're actually caring about. And nobody Nobody should take it too far. Nobody should get too personal. No one should threaten people, get into like attack mode. Don't do that. It's a pinball game. At the end of the day, all these games, no matter how great they are, no matter how crappy they are, here's what's going to happen. I can tell you how every single pinball machine will go. Every single game, no matter what it is, a year from now, nobody will care about it. Regardless of how great it is, regardless of how amazing it is, that is just the way this hobby is. You're all searching for the next great pinball game. When games come out, they're, they're, they're like they're super exciting to you guys. You guys talk about them for a few weeks, a couple months. The games ship, and then no one talks about them again, and then nobody cares. And that's pinball. It is this very quick, immediate satisfaction toy. It's super expensive, and you guys are just you guys are really just chasing the human connection these things give you. That's what you're chasing. You love the fact that you have something new to talk about with your friends and with your buddies. And the game is just the catalyst to all that excitement in your life. It just is. You could put anything out in the world and we would have a, a connection point. Like we could get together over the Jetsons and like, oh, we're all railing on the Jetsons today and that's a lot of fun, right? And yes, you want great pinball machines for your home, but for so many of you guys who have pinball collections in your homes, you barely play the games, you barely turn them on, you don't need 20 games, you know that, you know you have a disease, you know you have a problem, you know you don't need that many, you know it's a ridiculous thing to have so many of, because just a few great games is all you really need, and what you really want is for when people come over to be impressed by your pinball collection, and the happy man wakes up and says, you know what, no one really cares, the few guys that actually care about having a big pinball collection aren't worth it have a few great games in your life be happy be nice to each other be good to each other dudes and you'll have a lot more fun in this hobby and if you want to do a pinball podcast great do a pinball podcast but man i can't wait i can't wait to someone else comes out and does a pinball podcast where they're playing singles tennis i want someone else to just name the podcast after them and it's their show I mean, it was like Nate Shivers, Canada, but it was coast to coast. I want to be the Christopher Franchi podcast for all the talk Franchi's done. He can't just do your own podcast, bro. You've got enough to say. Now you're just going to be like a recurring segment on like the Slap Save Pinball podcast. All these guys, they need to like, they need to work together to take down Superman known as Canada. Later, guys. You can hate me.